Welcome to the New Life Church Podcast, where we dive deep into the timeless truths of the Bible. My name is Jake, and I'm absolutely thrilled to be your host. In each of these episodes, we'll unpack the richness of the scriptures, exploring how its teachings can bring new life and meaning to our everyday existence. Get ready to be inspired, challenged, and uplifted as we navigate the profound wisdom of the Bible together. This is a place where faith meets daily life. This is New Life Church. I'm going to preach through a little bit of our calendar as we come to this precious, precious time of the year. How many love this time of year? Amen. I enjoy it. I am so appreciative of Jesus Christ and what he has done in my life. And this season begins with something called Advent. For those of you who are not super familiar with the terminology, Advent is whenever, uh, you know, it's when we celebrate Jesus Christ coming and being born as a baby. And this whole season, you know, all the way up until Christmas is the Advent season. It's three weeks traditionally. And uh, so last week would have been the first. This would be the second. And I'm going to preach this series and I'm calling it The Stars Align. The Stars Align. And it begins and it ends with Jesus. The word Advent is the looking forward to the arrival, right? It's looking forward to the arrival of something or somebody. Is there anybody who maybe comes to your church or comes to your, your family Christmas or comes home? Uh, you can see, uh, I, I don't know if you ever come home from work and then maybe your child is super excited to see you and just runs to the window. That's one of my favorite moments. Whenever you peek through the window and whatever they've got, they drop. Doesn't matter what they're wearing, what they're doing. They see you and they light up. And now they are coming. They didn't even realize how much they were looking forward because they were worried about other stuff. But whenever they sense your arrival, there is an excitement. There is a happiness. There is just a, a thrill. He's here. Oh, he's here. Looking forward. Seeing something that you're excited about coming. I'm going I'm to pose a question, especially to the, you know, to the teens, to the kids. <laughs> and this is a little bit of a rhetorical or a trick question, but can something be headed toward you and away from you at the same time? Yes. Um, think of yourself standing here near a train, and as the train comes toward you, and then part of it passes you, is the train going away from you as it passes you? It's getting further and further that way, right? But the end of the train is still getting closer and closer to you, isn't it? Aha. Uh -huh. You're welcome. All right, so you can try that on somebody else. Things can come toward you and be going away from the same. So that's, that's a, little, a little logic teaser there. Um, but I'm talking about the advent of Christ, how something that had already happened, technically in a greater sense, or was, was predestined. He was the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. It's coming toward us, right? But it also exists outside of us and outside of time. That, that is a real brain teaser as well. See, long before we had the eyes to see the glory of the coming of Christ, he was bringing things into alignment for us. He is a God of alignment. And I've thought about this. There are many other gods and many other religions, and they tend to operate in chaos and uncertainty. There's a resurgence in this country and in, you know, across the world right now. And it's called neo-paganism, which is just a bunch of people you know, who, who think they have an idea of what paganism is and, and Thor and Loki and all this stuff. And it's a bunch of, of pseudo-pop culture nonsense. 
honestly. But uh, when you think about you know, who they pretend to serve and who those gods were, and if you've read very much about those religions, their gods operate in a lot of chaos and uncertainty. And as a matter of fact, Odin, who's the king of the Aesir and, and the, 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 the pagan gods of the Norse mythology, right? Um, even he um, loses fights, right? And he loses an eye, and this is not from Marvel. This is from the, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years ago and, and time in memoriam, right? This is people, this is gods they really worshiped. And even if you look back to Hercules and Zeus and the pantheon of Greek gods, eventually Zeus will be killed and slain and he'll die and the one who, who was his father died. So there's, there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of not really knowing what's going on. You don't have that with God because God is a God of perfect alignment, of perfect power, of perfect strength. And whenever he does something, it's done. There's no question about it. Every fight that he gets into, the outcome is not uncertain. God will win. God is true. God cannot lie. God cannot lose. And that is the kind of God that I want to serve. I don't want my fate to be in doubt. I don't want my soul to be at the mercy of not knowing what's going on and hoping that my God is able to do what he said he can do because he has proved it time and time again. He is God alone. These capricious gods of uncertainty and chaos, they have been overcome, dethroned, and put, trampled underfoot by the power of God, the one true God. How many points does it take to make a line, kids? I'll let you redeem yourself. Two, there you go. <laughs> Thank you, Tegan. Yes, two points. And that's a straight line. You know, one of the words, one of the titles that used for Jesus Christ is the day star, the morning star. Whenever he came into the picture and God had been working on something through the eons of time, through the beginning of time, to make sure that what was set askew and chaotic and destroyed would be brought by his good work in Jesus Christ back into alignment. Well, I wanna read this passage of scripture though. First Peter 1, 16 through 19 says, For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it wasn't a bunch of, a, a bunch of you know, lucid fables. It wasn't a bunch of hero stories. It was not a bunch of false narratives and false gods. It was real. He said, this is not cunningly devised fables. When we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Verse 19 says, And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Has the morning star risen in your heart? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, your Lord? Has he truly changed you? Is all the work of the ages with God bringing everything into perfect alignment to give his only begotten Son, is that in vain in your life? Because you figured there are other narratives that are more important. And there are other things that are of greater value and focus. Meanwhile, you're, you're not even living out the greatest story ever told in your own life. 
because you're pursuing other stuff that fades and disappears. I want to teach you just briefly about the need for Advent. And this, of course, goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Mankind had fallen into sin and broken covenant with God. Genesis chapter 2, we read that. That Eve took of the fruit and ate and gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. And so something happens there that he covers their nakedness that is now exposed with the skin of animals. Now, I never really thought too much about that before, right? I mean, it's, you know, animals die, like, you know, like I'm, people got leather on, I'm wearing leather shoes and a leather belt right now. It's not, I, I ate an animal this morning, you know, or part of one or something from an animal, and I'll eat something else this afternoon, God willing, amen? Um, so it doesn't really ring, you know, true. Like, you know, everybody ate roast beef. And if you're, if you're vegan or vegetarian, then I bless you. And it's more for me. And <laughs> we can come into alignment and pass the plate. Rise, kill, and eat, the, the, the vision said. But it wasn't always like that. See, you, we don't understand. We don't spend hardly, I don't spend any time thinking about what the Garden of Eden was like when things were in perfect alignment. See, there was a time when mankind was in alignment with God. They walked with him in the cool of the day. It was perfect. And, you know, there was man and there was woman and they had a, a wonderful relationship and they were with their father and, and they were, they were the, the, the caretakers of a perfect creation. Now, as far as I understand, and I think I have a pretty good point, there is no shedding of blood of any kind before this point. You know, what, what brings pain into the world and hurt and heartache and, and destruction is sin. And sin had not entered into the world at this point, right? There's not even any thorns because there's no need because everything is in a perfect symbiotic relationship. There's perfect order, perfect alignment that God has set up. I don't, I don't believe that Adam ever pricked his hand on anything. There wasn't really anything to do that. He never got bit by something because stuff didn't bite at that point. Everything was perfect and where and how it should be. Now, I talked a little bit about blood a few weeks ago and how some people have a, a natural reaction to blood. And it is, and it's not just whether you're a wimp or not. Um, people have like a deep uh, neurological response to the sight of blood. Like even tough people uh, can just be like, you know, strong and like mentally strong and then see blood. And there is a visceral, mental, neurological reaction to seeing blood because it's not supposed to be on the outside, right? It's not supposed to be like that. You know, for, for the most part, it's supposed to be on the inside. That's where blood tends to belong. Does it make sense? Are we there? Adam, who has now sinned and is naked before God and has, and has broken covenant fellowship, I don't know if there was still blood on the skins of the animals that God put on him, but what if there was? I would say so, because I don't know why God would take away the visceral reaction. Now, you want to go a step further. God had created all the animals, and Adam had named every one of them. Now, doesn't that make it worse? And when he realizes what, what the who's whose, not what, but whose skin this is. And I wonder how he felt in that moment because he, had, he realizes that his sin has greater effects than just him. And now I want to talk to you, especially if you're a mother or a father, like what you do and don't do in alignment with God, his word, and what you ought to do. That has effects that go far beyond you. 
I bet Adam was, was mortified. I bet he was, I bet he lost his breath. You know, some people faint when they see the blood. Some people almost throw up when they see blood. What do you do when you see the blood that you know this is your fault and this is the first time anyone has ever seen blood outside of the body? And that bright red and the horror of knowing that it was your sin, that it was you who stepped out of alignment, it was you who ate the fruit you shouldn't have eaten, and that's why this thing is bled and died to cover you. He felt horrible. He couldn't believe. He's like, God, why didn't you, why didn't you just do something to me? Yes, that's not how it works. Your sin will affect others always. It's a narrative we see on every level, even today. Whenever the head of a home steps out of alignment with God, there is pain and suffering that will never be limited to them. You don't see it. It won't happen. The blood that was shed, I wonder how Adam felt about it. I'm telling you that God had created the Garden of Eden perfectly. He had people-proofed the room. Now, not to keep using this guy, but we've tried to baby-proof um, the living room. So we took the, the, the objects of sharpness out. We put those little corner deals on. We have tried our best to make it one sanctuary that he cannot destroy himself on. And it's unreal how he finds ways to push the boundaries no matter what we do. How do you do that? There's no baby-proofing a room, is there? Nobody told, no, nobody told me about this. Oh, my word. I look up, he's got one tricycle and he's standing one leg on top of the tricycle like that. There's no help for it. You know that God had basically done that to all of humanity and all of the Garden of Eden? He had made it to where there would not be pain or suffering or death. That's pretty interesting. Until they broke alignment with God and introduced sin and pain into the world. When a man sins, yes, it brings his own death, his own suffering, his own shame, but there are always gonna be others who suffer when a man breaks alignment with God and with God's word. And the truth is that even though we have this visceral picture of that, of that skin that God put on him, here's one thing you need to understand. You need to know this. What was in the garden was enough to cover, but was not enough to cleanse. And even though they saw that visceral blood, it was a good, good God working already toward the salvation and the restoration of every one of us. The alignment that was required for the advent. What a picture that the Magi saw when they see the star above the other star and realize what it took for God to make this alignment happen. Do you know how stars work? I don't really. I have no idea what's going on in the ether. That's not my area of expertise, but I will tell you that, oh, let, me, let me do some teaching on that. Um, there are stars, Betelgeuse, and, and you know, most practically, you know, that's one that we, we can see and we understand. That, for the light of Betelgeuse, this star in a different galaxy, to reach us, it's over 1,500 years for that ray of light to go from there to here. Isn't that wild? 
Think about that. It's that many light years away. That's weird. I mean, because we can't even understand that. We flip on the lights, the lights come on. But it is very possible for a star whose light has gone out and it has exploded and it is no more for that us to still see that for hundreds and hundreds of years because of how far it is and how long it took the photons to actually make it to us so we could perceive them. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. Wrap your head around the fact that that a light, a light that was turned off on, on Orion, we wouldn't be able to see that for 340 years. That is crazy to me. Do you understand the kind of alignment that it has to be for, for Magi, for, for the wise men of the East, to look up and see the star? Now, we don't know what star it was, but let's just say it was any of the ones that I just mentioned. That means that that had already moved into position and was already there, but we couldn't perceive it before David slew Goliath. And so Jesus, who will be 14 generations removed from that, and he will be the seed of David. He will be the one, uh, uh, you know, the, the root of David, the word of God. So God is aligning this behind the scenes. And now we actually have an understanding that star had to already be in place. We just couldn't perceive it until all this time had passed. And at the right moment, at the right time, in the right place, they looked out and they saw the star in the east and they knew that God had brought things into alignment for Jesus Christ. And they said, something weird is going on. They didn't even perceive. They would have thought, oh, that's happening in real time. You know, the star's there. It moved there. And I saw it moving. And that great. That's not how it happened. The work that God had to do, the forethought that he had to do, the amazing rearrangement of the galaxy and the universe that God had to actively do to bring this alignment together is mind-boggling. It's something that none of us can or will ever understand what God had to do behind the scenes to fix what we did in the scene. It is amazing. It is mind-shattering if you think about what God has done that Jesus could be born. I'm telling you, you know how many different sets of infertility through the generations God had to overcome and heal? Again and again and again, all these horrible things and the people suffering and Sarah and this one and that one, again and again, Rahab the harlot and different ones that he weaves into the generations. Do you know that it was Bethlehem? It was, it was these men who had left and gone to a far country and then died in that far country, Elimelech and his sons, and they had come back Without those men, Ruth, this person who doesn't even belong in the genealogies, but there is a drawing back to Bethlehem. And God is still working behind the scenes. He said, I see that people have moved out of alignment with what I need to accomplish here. I see that the seed of David it is trying to depart. And I see what's going on here in the judges. And, and, and people have left their promise. They have left their, their ability. They have left what I had for them. And they've gone into a far country. But I need them back because I'm trying to accomplish something in a lot of lives. And it doesn't jive well with my plan. So he works together miracle after miracle. And he brings her back when Ruth looks at Naomi and says, I don't necessarily know why. I don't know everything about your God, but I know your God will be my God. And where you go, I'm going. And when you die, I'm going to die because I am inexorably being drawn by the presence of God to where I need to go. And she comes back and God, man, you can preach just that message. 
that Boaz happens to see somebody he should have no interest in whatsoever. They said, that's the one. And this, this old single bachelor who's, who's, who's basically, you know, just, he's just kind of picking single life, but he sees it, no, 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 no. That girl's worth breaking, the, you know, breaking my record for. That, that, that girl, there's something about that. There's something that I see in the way that she's gleaning and working and doing. And he said, next thing you know, a baby's born. I'm telling you, what God is doing behind the scenes for an advent to happen is worthy of consideration. It's worthy of honor. It's worthy of meditation. It's worthy of praise. It's worthy of being more than just the top of our Christmas tree. It's worthy at being, of being at the front of our heart in this season. God, what you had to do. God didn't want to kill that animal. God had created it. But because mankind had to go and goof things up, he slew it without a second thought. And it probably broke his heart to do that. But we know nothing. We understand nothing about what he went through. What the alignment of the Advent cost God our Father. Do you not know? Do you not comprehend? Everybody was joyous that night. So it seemed. The angels sang in perfect unison, harmony, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill toward men, celebrate, be full of joy, cheer, good tidings to you, happy, great salvation, the anointed one, the Christ is coming and is now here, celebrate. And even the people who didn't understand the shepherds, they said, where is he? We celebrate the light of the world. Awesome, good news, the gospel first preached. Good news. And in the throne room, even beyond the angels, past the gates and past the walls, down the streets of gold, up into the very throne room of God, there's only one who is not celebrating. Because he has sent away that which was most precious to him. To be born in a filthy manger, filled with hay. And the whole purpose is to be raised up God and man, and to see, how does that work? What, right? How does that even work? How does that feel? I, 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 I like my kid, you know, I love him. And I don't understand how awful it would feel to see him falling off that tricycle or, or whatever it is, and to be forced to, to stand back and watch as he was wounded for someone else's transgressions, as the boy was bruised for their iniquity. To see the chastisement of the peace of people who want nothing but war be upon that precious son. I don't know that there's anything that could be harder than seeing your children suffer and not being able to do anything about it. And even choosing to put them in the situation where without being guilty of anything, they pay the most horrible price. Do you understand what alignment and what advent cost God the Father? And the angels sang and the shepherds rejoiced and the Father wept so that we would have a chance, so that we would have a moment. But even then, 
in the father's heart, this moment was mixed with hope, pain, suffering, fear, the woundedness of a father who had never been separated from his son in all of eternity, all of eternity past. That, that's incomprehensible to us. But there was still joy for what the death of the son would accomplish in the resurrection of many sons and daughters. People, get, people think it's weird that, you know, or they get kind of confused and they're like, isn't the morning star what Satan was called? And the, the morning star, the day star is also what Christ is called? I got this wonderful picture. One was cast out of heaven and the other was sent. There's a difference, a big difference. And because of the temptation and the work and the things that Satan had done and leading astray and, 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 and blinding and trying to deceive. Now, mankind made their own choice, but to imagine what Lucifer, the morning star, had wrought and caused the discordance and disalignment of the world. God didn't cast his son. He gave him. And in that precious moment, the stars aligned again to give hope for all mankind. And today we celebrate that hope. I want you to consider what it cost God to send his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe on him would not perish, but have everlasting life. What it cost God. Because the word Advent, which means someone is coming, it meant someone was going. He departed the thrones of glory to die on a sinner's cross for the salvation of the world. And we turn our eyes and our hearts toward him and we glorify him. Galatians chapter four and verse four talks about the fullness of time when God sent forth his son. The stars aligned, not just in outer space, but in the divine tapestry of human history. In the fullness of time, God orchestrated every detail to give us a savior. So as we immerse ourselves in the beauty of this holiday season, let's remember that every moment Every celestial alignment was perfectly arranged by the Creator Himself. To understand this should deepen our gratitude and awe for the miraculous gift of Jesus Christ. And awe for the miraculous gift of Jesus Christ. So, this Christmas, don't forget about the infinite love that brought Jesus from the heavens to be our salvation. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the New Life Church Podcast. We are truly grateful for each and every one of our listeners, so thank you. For a full transcription of today's sermon and more resources, head over to our website at newlifechurchspringfield.com. I can't wait to dive into the next episode with you. Until then, stay connected, stay inspired, and God bless. See you next time.